every life has a story and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Every Friday morning at 6 o'clock, a bunch of wonderful guys meet together for prayer in our old church. And uh, in this beautiful circle of men, we started to build some relationships. And we get to know each other as we share our journeys. And uh, we, find, we find more and more common ground. And it's so beautiful to hear men talk about what the Lord has done in their lives. One of these beautiful men is Glenn Leibold from uh, Zimbabwe originally, uh, but now living in Australia. It is of a, a bit of a flavor now with South Africa and Zimbabwe guests coming through King of Stories. And tonight we have uh, Glenn here. Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks, Daniel. So Zimbabwe, not South Africa, Rhodesia. Yes, correct. I was born in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. We teach people a bit of history and the geography. <laughs> so north of South Africa is... Uh, east, north, north in the east part of South Africa. Correct, yeah. More so north because east is more Mozambique. Yeah. And it's landlocked between Mozambique, Zambia and Botswana and South Africa in the south. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Zimbabwe time. is landlocked, is it? Correct, yeah. So what's at the ocean? Uh, what's fine? Mozambique is on the eastern oh. side. The Zambia is on the northern side. Yeah. Botswana on the west. Okay. South Africa in the south. Nice. And you grew up in Rhodesia? Yes, grew up in Rhodesia at a beautiful place called Victoria Falls. Oh, very famous. Yeah, one of the seven wonders of the world. So you live nearby? Yeah, we lived right near the falls. Uh, in the falls, and if the wind was blowing in the right direction, the spray would come onto our house. And, um, I remember as a small boy, my mother used to complain about the wet washing. It never could never dry. dry. Because <laughs> of the moist from the big fall, Victoria Falls. So wow. spent most of my young childhood in Victoria Falls um, and then moved into uh, more into the yeah, inner areas of, this, uh, of the country, Ambi, Guelo, and Buloa. Um, with my father being moved around during the war times, it was very difficult uh, with the bush war that was on. So ended up moving. What was he doing? Uh, he was a chartered accountant as well as an ornithologist, so a study of birds. Oh. And worked for the uh, railways, mm -hmm. so ended up doing a lot of work on the railways in some of the areas. And like I said, when the war was on, we ended up moving into the farm just uh, outside Buluwa in Matopas. You bought a farm? No, my grandparents were farming there, okay. and um, with my father being away at war, and I, uh, we ended up going to boarding school, but lived on the farm and did all our farming uh, just outside of uh, Buluwa and a little town called Guela, now called Guera. What were you farming for you? Uh, it was mixed mixed farming. Maize. So, yeah, it was maize was involved, cotton, some table grapes, sheep, small volumes of cattle, and cotton. Wow. For, for, for our listeners, or for our viewers who don't know what maize is, can you explain a little bit of this corn type of, um, you know, what's the difference between corn and maize? Uh, there's no difference. The Northern uh, Americans will call it corn yeah. and the Africans will call it maize. You get two colors, a white and a yellow, yeah. and they're utilized for various um, 
But in Africa, a lot of it is white, isn't it? Majority of it in Africa would be white, which is the staple food diet of, of most of Africa, mm -hmm. uh, once it's been processed and milled. And then the yellow maize is often utilized for feed, whether it be um, cattle, chicken, um, pigs, sheep, and most of it will go into a feeding scenario or into mixed feed. So the white one is quite nutritional? Yes. Can you buy maize here in Australia? Yes, we can buy maize in the South African shops. And yeah. And we still have what they call pop and vos evenings yeah. and yeah so there's still a very big um, following of of maize or of cornmeal nice mealy meal is what it's called do you miss it or, or you just have it when, when you miss it oh you have it when you when you're barbecuing or brine as the south africans like to say you so have to have it you don't have to have it but it's always good to be part of yeah part of it it's just a cultural thing yeah you know, putting it uh, as a dude uh, with whether it be sausages or, or burros, steak or chops or whichever. It's just, it's They're big eat meaters as well. Uh, meat uh, eaters. <laughs> eat meaters. Meat eaters. Yeah. yeah, again, it's just part of the culture. Right? Yeah. Growing up with good beef and good lamb, it's nice. part, of the, part of the culture. Yeah. So, how old were you when you moved to the country? Uh, we left uh, Zimbabwe in the sort of after independence. No, no, when you moved to the to the farm. To the farm. I was still in primary school and junior school then. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yep. So was it fun for you to be on the farm? Absolutely. Yeah. Living in on the farm during holidays, but yep. being in boarding school um, during the school terms. So that was common, wasn't it? Very much so. Yeah. Well, so many uh, of the parents being away and serving in the military all at war. Um, it was a common theme to put your kids in. Very brief. Uh, a, a bit of history lesson here. Who was fighting against whom? Oh, it was uh, um, the Zanu PF looking to take over the white regime of Ian Smith. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a whole political aspect which uh, yeah, we don't need to get into. And who won? Uh, <laughs> without going into too much detail, Mugabe won. Mugabe won. Yeah. And. Uh, that affected a lot, obviously, um, the families there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. The war itself had a, a, a devastating effect on, on many families and broke up many, many families. And a lot of people escaped, they, they went south. Yes, lots of people left uh, Rhodesia or Zimbabwe and um, many of the agricultural people that you find in Australia today uh, left at those times mm. as well. The uncertainties that were there. Uh, many, many folk went to South Africa yeah. and re rebuilt and restructured there. Um, as I mentioned, many homes, my home included, uh, was devastated by, by the war and the effects of it. You know, men yeah, turning to alcohol yeah. um, and being uh, on a work regime where you're six weeks on, you know, three weeks off, four weeks off, um, created a lot of diversity and um, just family. Imbalance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So divorce was, a, it was, was one way out. Yeah. Um, and so my folks got divorced and my mom thought it would be better for us to move to South Africa to finish up our education. Um, I have How one, many of you? Uh, just my brother and I. And uh, so he's four years older than, than I. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, she uh, decided to pack us up and uh, we left Zimbabwe and uh, ended up in South Africa. And your dad stayed behind to fight? Yes, well, but then the war was over um, okay. and the, the, the whole political structure sort of sorted itself out, but my folks had split by then, so my dad stayed, stayed mm -hmm. on. And we went to South Africa where I finished high school, and my brother finished high school, and then we were enlisted into the South African military. Um, 
And then, so it was easy to become a citizen, to get full rights in South Africa? Yeah, to, at that stage there was still a, a white government in, in charge of South Africa. Yeah. Um, so it was able to, we were able to settle and, re, and re, yeah. rebuild uh, a life there. And um, first time I really got exposed to, uh, to a church organization or... Uh, so your parents had no knowledge of... No, very little. You have a you have a knowledge, but you don't have that in depth. Now we weren't effective churchgoers as such, or grew up in a Christian home, or I was yeah. christened or sprinkled or whatever you want to call it in the Victoria Falls Hotel. So um, with beer, <laughs> probably <laughs> if yeah, if you can go with the alcoholic uh, theme in my family, you're probably more than likely yes. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the first time you know we we got exposed to to the church. And, um, through through visitation and through evangelism program, people came to you. Yeah, so um, what turned out eventually to be uh, my wife's father, my father-in-law, uh, yep. Dr. the Reverend Harold Peasley. They had uh, in their church because a Florida Baptist at that stage had an evangelism program yep. called EE three, and they would go out and minister to to different folks. And these folks got chatting to my mom. So they came to the house. Yeah, yeah, and she was invited to church, and that led to led to a follow up. And she gave her life to Christ. And you would have been 15, 16 by now? Uh, yeah, probably a little bit older, 17, 18, just finishing high school. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom came to know the Lord and, uh, you know, she she turned her life around. And um, as two young boys, we thought this was not really for us. And we continued our ways of being, of being boys. And um, it was only really later on... Um, that when I got into some really difficult situations in the military that I realized that I'd been going to church with my So mom. you finished school and then you were taken into military, was it compulsory you chose? Yeah, it was conscription, yeah. How long? Initially uh, it was two years and they brought it down to one year and then they kept, they, they, um, once the elections took over, they, they scrapped it completely and it just became compulsory. So you caught the two years? At the end of the two years, yeah. So I served in, uh, from 92 and then as a reservist and interim up until mm, about 1998 to 2000. Were you in combat as well? Yeah, in township combat, yes. Mm. Interesting. And that's when things, you know, when, when my story changed on the 22nd of October. Uh, I was in the contact and I'd made a decision that I'd heard a lot about the Lord and all these things. Um, I had met my, I had a girlfriend that is now my wife, Cheryl, and uh, who you know. Yeah. And, um, she you know, continually um, spoke to me about the things of the Lord and yeah, it just was one of those things that were in the back of my mind all the time, but it never, it wasn't for me. You know, did I you meet her before you went to the army? Right? I did, yes, I met her at church. Ah. One of the reasons we go to church, Nathaniel, is to meet some. find a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it works. So it worked for me, absolutely. Worked yeah. for me as well. Yeah, so um, wonderful spiritual woman and by far the the spiritual saving grace in my life was was then my my girlfriend um, and she saw me through those very difficult times and when I was able to, to come to the Lord and pick up a phone and phone her and let her know that I had made a decision to follow Christ even though it was a, a decision on the back of if you get me out of this trouble God I will I'll follow you I'll stop my drinking and my, my swearing and my smoking and my nonsense and, and I'll follow you you know and uh, I made that decision on that on that night and um, you know, praise the Lord, He's been with me through through many valleys and through many over many hills. And <laughs> I can look back and see that if it wasn't for 
for that change, I, I don't think I'd be here today. So, so she befriended you even though you were in, um, were you girlfriend, but were you dating while you were still in your ways? Yes, yes, I lived. Uh, that's quite quite harsh because um, yeah. her being uh, the daughter of such a prominent leader, it didn't really go well with with the family and maybe even with the church. No, it didn't. But uh, we were able to keep it under wraps, so I was able to live a, a good double standard life at oh. that stage. But she knew it. Yes, yeah, she knew inside. She knew that. Um, she could smell it. And it probably <laughs> it, it probably was getting to the stage where. It was becoming very difficult for her, um, and like I said, the Lord's timing was everything. Yeah. Um, finished up in the military, she finished her studies. I um, I was planning on going back to farming mm -hmm. in, uh, in in Zimbabwe as well as doing a professional hunter's license. I did that in South Africa and then started to to look at developing. You wouldn't never give up the guns. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I went into um, some. Uh, Game ranging uh, experiences where I was assisting anti poaching guys and training them in firearm utility because at that stage the, the poaching within uh, a rhino and elephant was getting a little bit out of hand. So I went and I, and I worked for a number of years uh, in the Sobby Sands Game Reserve as an anti poaching officer mm -hmm. uh, together with uh, a, a friend of mine that employed me there. Uh, he then went to farming flowers and asked me if I would be keen on coming back to the farming scenario. So I ended up farming flowers for four years. In South Africa? In South Africa and Sharon and I got married in that time. You had flowers to give her, didn't you? And here we had flowers for the wedding, so I didn't have to buy flowers for the wedding. Um, and uh, you yeah. married in the church? You were, you were um, father-in-law married? Yes, yes, we got married in, in Florida Baptist Church on the 1st of July. Uh, one of the coldest days in South Africa. It was freezing, freezing cold. So all the photos. Oh, the Bible says better to than one. Yes. So yeah, we were very fortunate to 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 have got married on that freezing cold day. <laughs> um, so everyone should bring in the photos. Yeah, we couldn't have photos where we wanted to because the gardens had been frosted black. Funnily enough, um, so we had no, we've got no photos of our flowers in except the internal flowers inside. So. Yeah. It's one of those real funny, weird setups that we had. Um, Sharon and I got married in 1995, and uh, just at that time, um, while I was still farming in a little town called Krubersdal, um, an American cotton company came along and mm -hmm. um, asked us, if, or asked me, if I'd be keen on assisting them with uh, cotton development uh, as the new development of cotton and new breeding um, technologies got underway. South Africa and Southern Africa became a very big uh, counter-season product uh, yeah. where they could then run these products to ICEM, grow yeah. one in the Northern Hemisphere, and then when it's winter in the Northern Hemisphere, it's Go sunnier and the same. So I started working with them. Uh, Sharon and I spent a number of months living in America, which was very interesting. To be trained? Yeah, just being trained and being exposed to a number of different um, scenarios within the cotton industry. Um, did that for oh, a number of years, um, come 2000, and the Lord um, blessed us with our first boy, uh, Hunter, and uh, he was born in 2000 after uh, a so long... Why, why Hunter? We had a friend in America no. that... Um, uh, Nothing to do with your hunting. No, not at, yeah. all. not at all. We used to have very good friends in America, and they had a little boy, um, Hunter Barfield, and he got... Uh, 
severe cancer at a year, mm. really young age. And um, we, we just, you know, sort of in honour of him and uh, just being able to, we joined the name. We thought it was going to be a really nice name for him. Uh, his second name is, is, is Brian, after my father, who nice. was uh, tragically murdered in 2000 in Zimbabwe on the farm. Oh. So we, uh, we named him Hunter Brian after those friends of ours that had their son and then after my father. Um, so your father was murdered on the farm? In Zimbabwe, yeah. Just uh, he got invaded by... Yeah, it was at that time when they were taking farms and making, you know, doing, or having examples of, of um, people that were involved in, in farming and or and my father was the accountant for uh, a big company, cattle company and he was doing valuations on farms which was against yeah. the, the government etc. So there was a Mugabe driven agenda. Yeah, so that, that happened and um, things were getting... Was he on his arm? Uh, yes, he was on Christmas Eve in 1999, 2000. Yeah. So Hunter was born in 2000, and um, two years later, his younger brother Joshua was born. Um, and growing up with, with with those two young boys, we um, at, at a certain age uh, we realised that we need to give these two young boys a different uh, upbringing to what than what I had had. Yeah. And, uh, in order for me to be a better father than what I had experienced was for me to just give them a life where they've got free choice and um, uh, we're not going to get into the political side of things attended, yeah. but it got very difficult at that stage for young and even for you know for older white guys to, sure. to, to manage and to live and I'm sure lots of your listeners can attain to that so we we came to the Lord and we said to the Lord that we would really feel if it's in the Lord's will that we we move that uh, he opened the doors and um, again I got very brave in front of the Lord and I said to the Lord um, I would like to lay a fleece down before you uh, in actual <laughs> fact I'd like to lay two fleeces down before you and they were number one that we moved to Australia I'd been very privileged to travel the world with my agricultural company who I'd worked for up until that stage for about 12 years yeah um, and um, so my fleece was that we come to Australia first and foremost and secondly, that the company that I, that I go with, I stay with that company. Wow. And um, they pay for everything. So, um, yes, within seven days of each other, the two emails came through. And so you applied for a job in agriculture? No, no, not at all. We just uh, said to the Lord that those are our fleeces. Yes. And the company I worked for sent me an email saying, would you like to go and work in Australia <laughs> uh, for us? And we will pay for everything. So I said, absolutely. That's, you couldn't get a clearer answer as, yeah. as Gideon did. So we packed up and um, we immigrated to New South Wales yeah. and started a position there uh, in uh, New South Wales on the edge of the outback in a little town called Narrowmine. Just that's where they were cropping cotton. Yeah, so that's where the head office was for our cotton company, the cotton business within South Africa. Uh, sorry, within Australia. And, um, and one, just under one year later, they shut up shop and wow. um, sacked almost 80% of the people and um, literally just brought everything to a complete stop. stop. And with that, they wouldn't release our visas. Um, so we had we bought a house, we bought a car, put the boys in school. <laughs> and um, Heavily mortgage already. We, yeah, and you know, when you're moving, immigrating, you, you, the you, dollars, no. You need to do the, the, the rent. Yeah. The rent doesn't buy you many dollars. The rent was at that stage about nine or 10 to one. Yeah. So it was very difficult. 
And more than that, Catania was the, the wrestling that I ended up with the Lord. You know, I had these Bible verses where the Lord had, had clearly stated to us, you know, he, he would send us into a land where they draw, you know, iron from in Leviticus. Yeah. Where they draw iron from the mountains. And it's you know, a land of milk and honey and, and where farming is. And that was what my life was about. And yeah. Yeah, a year later we packed up and we immigrated back to South Africa. Yeah, to go back. Yeah, they wouldn't release our visas. So we packed up and went back again and moved into the same house that we weren't able to sell. And Cheryl went back to the same class and the boys went back to it. It was like they'd been in a, a one-year holiday. <laughs> but inside I was just wow. shattered, you know. And um, so I wrestled with the Lord for a long time um, yeah. as to why. He asked so many questions. Um, Two and a half years later, I get this uh, an email from you know, a, a chap that ended up being a very, very good close friend of mine, yes. uh, working for a large seed company, saying um, we've got a seed company that we've just purchased up in far north Queensland, in yeah. an area called Mariba, which is you know, yeah. 80 kilometers west of Cairns on the Great Barrier Reef. So all of a sudden, my, ear, my ears pick up. Hunting, fish, I love fishing and I love hunting. So, and um, we committed to the Lord. And again, we, 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 we laid a fleece out to the Lord and said, Lord, you need to help us in answering this. This is for real now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not doing this again. And uh, yeah, two and a half years later, we, we received a visa within five days, wow. which was a miracle. And uh, I needed one document. Um, and that's a modern day miracle in that how my handwritten birth certificate of my father was found in a box of real estate goods in the middle of Harare. And was sent it was unbelievable. So the Lord answered us, answered our prayers in many, many ways. Wow. And uh, got to immigrate to Australia. So we immigrated three times in uh, three years. And um, settled in, uh, in far north Queensland and um, started to started a new job in developing uh, the tropical, of the whole tropical north. And um, the Lord blessed us. Selling sea. Yes. What? Focusing primarily on tropical grasses and tropical legumes, developing this business. Uh, for the big, this big corporation that, that had yeah. employed me and that had brought me over. Um, and uh, again, we were, we were blessed with the way that the business grew. Um, I had a wonderful team that I was yeah. fortunate to manage and, to, and it, was, it was nothing that I had done. It yeah. was through that team and through that work. And being a witness to, 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 to those folk that don't often get to see people. Mm -hmm. you know, um, I believe that relationships are, are, are where it's all built where things take place and building those relationships over a, a number of seven or eight years for this company put me in good stand. Yeah. And I was able to to, to stand firm on, on on my beliefs, on my values, on yeah. my morals that the Lord had installed into my life and share that with everybody. Yeah. You know? um, and in, in, in a corporate world that's that's often very frowned upon mm. and not looked upon as being honest and trustworthy. Yeah. Um, but I stood my ground. And uh, so we were there for just on seven years. The boys really flourished, uh, both in, in school and, and, and in sport. They, they're both very accomplished rugby players and uh, really, really did well. Well, Queensland's uh, big on Both of them for Queensland. Yeah, they both did, were selected for the, the younger Queensland red team. And they did you know, very, very well. And um, did that for just on seven years and we became Australian citizens. So we went through our ceremony and we, you know, we got the famous blue passport where yeah. we were able to now just look back and again look back and see where the Lord had brought us and how far he brought us and we still often ask why did we have to go back you know what are the lessons that we've 
learned out of that and where do we put our um, as soon as we put our faith in, in, in man and in this world yeah it's inevitable it will let us down yeah, yeah. Um, and things changed in the work scenario um, and I was contemplating leaving and, and going on my own but that didn't seemed to be right at the time. Yeah. So um, a position opened up in Western Australia where they said, well, you know, you've done fairly, or you've done really well in, in North Queensland, why don't you go to Western Australia? To do well. do the same there for us. So spoke to Cheryl and Cheryl's sisters lived in Perth for, oh. for most of her life. So it was, it was like, that's good. And I, I was on the verge of burnout. I just committed, you know, my whole time to this company, driving into this company, developing the the relationships that I had, which made it very successful. And uh, so we came to Perth just on, I think it's almost three years ago now, three and a half mm. years ago, and um, started into a new a new venture here and built from scratch. Yeah. Um, it didn't, it, it just didn't have the, um, the business acumen that we were looking for. Initially, that was thought within the revegetation and the rehabilitation within the mines. And, Western Australia is a very, very difficult state to, to grow things in. Yeah. Um, especially right. once you get into them. And then you've got the wet months. Well, it's, it's the other extremes. Way it's either yeah. extremely wet or it's extremely dry yeah. and extremely hot. Hot and extremely cold sometimes. Yeah. And also there's, there's a lot of factors to it. The climatic conditions, you know, if you, everything was like the southwest corner, it would be great. It's yeah. It's wet, it's cold, it's moist, they've got you good can soils. Predict it. You get up into the Kimberleys and the Pilbara where, you know, there's, it's a harsh, harsh country. It's 40 degrees, it's red dirt, there's no moisture, there's nothing gross there. Yeah. So we were missing... And then you get floods. Yeah, and then you get 400 moles or 600 moles in, in a week, you know, yeah. or it's 45 degrees for 15 days. So it was a little bit misleading in terms of where we thought we would be able to develop and grow this business. Um, so after three years, I still had the connections and the... the um, the relationships that I built over seven or eight years across yeah. the, the entire north, northern WA and northern territory, and he's, he's kept coming back to me and saying, "We we we, we need help." You know? Yeah. So as I mentioned just about a year ago, yeah. um, I felt the calling that um, the the Lord was giving me an opportunity to branch out on my own, and you know. The, oh, the, that's a big step. It was a very big step, uh, very big indeed. So I consulted a number of. of Christian mentors that I, that I have and I've spoken to a number of people and a number of opportunities had come up and yeah. had, had gone away and, and new one had risen up and I thought okay Lord this is this is where you're taking me and then that door would close and so I had these various discussions with, with different ones and at the end of it all um, I just decided that you know I feel that the Lord's given me the talents and the gifts that he has given me yes. and I feel you know often my, my mission field is is to people that don't get to to get to church or get to see people. You know, in the olden days, Daniel, I'm sure your, your dad would have been one of those, were driving around visiting all the farmers, you know, or yeah. on a horseback or on a cart or whatever it might be. Bike. Bike, motorbike, <coughs> whatever it can be. You know, bike. <laughs> in, in Australia, the, the demographics and the geography just makes it so difficult for lots and lots of these folks to get to a church or to get to a prayer meeting during the week or... So, you know, I, I feel the Lord has, has given me and blessed me with some of that talent that I can get to these guys yeah. and I can get up to their farms, I can get up to their stations, yeah. and I, can, I can be a mission, a mission, that's my mission field. Hallelujah, um, that's your pulpit. That's a very big responsibility, as yeah. I shared with you the other morning. Um, and they can be tough as well, you're, you're on their turf. Very much so, you know, when you're meeting somebody on their ground, you're at a disadvantage. 
Yeah. And uh, but again, I believe it's what the Lord has put in my life and the, the experiences that He's taken me through and the development that He has taken me is I can come to these guys as I am. Yeah. And there's no false pretenses. And uh, the Lord's blessed my business the first year out. It was just you know thriving, unbelievable to 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 uh, to see where most people would say no nah, for the first year out. You know. You, it's impossible. It's just not done. You know, yeah. These things don't happen. And it was one of the worst years in terms of agriculture. You know, very dry in certain areas, yes. lots of fires, then floods. Mm. Um, and just recently, you know, we've had some really hard times in terms of wet, wet areas. And crops are damaged and um, you can't get into paddocks because it is too wet. Cyclone weather. Cyclone, heavy rainfalls, uh, you know, too. As, as, we, as we talk, there's a tremendous floods on the east coast yeah. in, in Queensland mm-hmm. and New South Wales. You know, folks are in, in all sorts of dilemma and trouble there. And um, so again, just you know, added to all of this was COVID. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we, we, we we live in Western Australia. And the war. <laughs> what else? Yeah, and you know, so travel has just been a, a long go. And for me, being able to get out to these folk is that, that's where that's where I find the best. While I'm doing business with them, yeah, um, I'm also just being able to to be with them and give them that moral support and that upliftment of, of somebody that can come out of their, their norm, yeah, and, and being able to just share with them and being ear to ear. You know, they, they go through such extremes on, on on the farms here and on the big stations that they often they just want somebody to talk to. Mm. And that's not their neighbour because their neighbour's going through very similar the same things. things challenges that they face. So I feel that, you know, sometimes I'm I'm humbled by the way that the Lord uses us and opens doors and opens doors and puts us go north as well or maybe east. Yes, now I travel mainly into the northern parts of WA. So okay. into the, into Broome and Kananara and the Kimberleys and Whoa. and then across most of the Northern Territory. So you drive? And I'll fly I used to fly into there. We will be able to fly now in a, in a couple of days' time. But now, primarily, if like the distances are too far, yeah. you know, from from where I live up now to, to where we are there, it will be a good twenty four to twenty six hour Hours, drive. Yeah. Um, it's, a four, it's, it's a four hour flight, and even when you get there, you're still driving three yeah. to four, five, six hours to get to one farm <laughs> to get to somewhere. Now, some of these blokes will live one hundred and twenty, one hundred and fifty kilometers. So, do you, do, you, do you hire a camper, or how do you travel? Uh, I generally just get a, get a rental vehicle, uh, quite a substantial vehicle, because you come across all sorts of things on the roads yeah. um, and the road conditions. Uh, so I'll do that and then I'll make sure that I, I get into smaller towns and I'll, I'll stay, I'll stay either with farmer if it's that far, I'll stay with, yeah. with farmers or friends, and then otherwise just stay in the small little towns. That, that, that's, you know, a little motel or that. Yeah, just have a little motel room and then you can go two or three hundred kilometer yeah. trips either way around and out of the, the little hub that you've got. Yeah. Um, so most of the guys that do... So what seeds do you sell? Uh, majority of them are all tropical grasses and tropical legumes. So um, tropical grasses, grasses such as? So you'll have rose grasses, your panics, um, it's probably you know foreign to, to you in terms of what you do and what you do, um, but majority of the grasses that we put in will be for pasture renewal, uh, yeah. pasture rejuvenation. Yeah. Uh, lots of the pastures will be for hay production. Yeah. So the farmer will actually plant a, a field of, of grass yeah. and then mow turn it, it turn it, turn it into hay bales. Yeah. And then that they use to feed their cattle or they sell it on to um, drier areas that, that might not necessarily have that. 
Uh, and the legumes will be a very similar process. They'll either go into paddocks to supplement the nitrogen fixation to feed the grasses. Uh, some of them also make very good um, hay, high values of protein in them. So again, it's 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 a system that we, we yeah. work on and we work with. Trying so it's mainly for for breeding uh, for animals. Yeah, it all goes into cattle feed. Yeah, all you know, just putting cattle into a, a field that's got fresh legumes and grasses. So when you have got a dry period, yeah. you've got fields that can carry those cattle and that they can then be subsistence on those uh, paddocks that they're not overgrazing the native grasses or their paddocks that and you're selling the seed yes i sell i sell that seed and then the service that goes with that yeah. in terms of agronomy everything that goes goes with that fertilizers agronomy. and no i don't i don't do the fertilizers i work very closely with a lot of the resellers sure. so all the agricultural resellers who then in turn all sell fertilizers chemicals insecticides herbicides wires tags um whatever general yeah. farming needs are so i just slot into them and become so the farmer can go to a one-stop shop and he can pick up his cattle dips and his blocks and also pick up his seed at the same time. Wonderful. And this gives you a, a massive opportunity to come close to them. Mm. Do they open up? Some do, yeah, some do, some don't, um, depending on the circumstances they find themselves in. Uh, Australian farmers are tough blokes. Yeah, you know, well, they have to be. Uh, they have to be to survive and to be on the on the. Are country. they mainly with family members or? Yep, or lots of them. Lots of them are in their families, and their families are part of the business. I think it's a, it's a difficult scenario at the moment where the youngsters don't want to farm. They yeah. see, they see the struggles and they see the challenges that are facing Australian farmers. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you know, just climatic conditions, droughts, four, five, six years long of hours. droughts, long, long hours. I mean, it's massive plots and a lot of work and a lot of money wasted. Well, if there's no crops, the input costs are, are you know, are tremendous. Um, we don't have the volume of labour that we should have, and yeah. now with COVID, even that's just uh, made it so much worse. We don't have backpackers. We don't. Yeah. We don't have this transition labour that will come through and to use as header drivers or tractor drivers or yeah. chaser bin drivers. Or, so the families have had to step up more and more and yeah. more. And, you're finding and automate more as well. But that costs money, you know, yeah. to automate big machinery on the volume and the scales that they're farming. It costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and with the, the effect that the droughts have had or the floods or the fires have had, there isn't that capital to put sure. into automation. Yeah. So you're finding, you know, children and, and, and wives are driving trucks and driving tractors and on the horses road, you know, and, and more and more um, people are getting involved, the families getting involved. Have you led somebody to the Lord? Um, not outright, no, but that seed's been planted. Of course, and, seeds. You know, yeah, so Living Seeds is, is the name of my little, my little company. And um, that, to me, that's what it's about. It's just being able to get to those folk and being able yeah. to talk, talk to them on their level and being able to have that uh, honest dis discussion about agriculture. Have you got any particular testimony where a massive turnaround has happened or he or she acknowledged that your visit there has had an impact on them? Um, not one in, in, in specific, Tanya. I think there's been a few where you know, folk have, and I've been able to share testimony with them or being able to share a relationship, an experience that I've had where the Lord's taken me through something. And that just builds confidence into them that yeah. there is something out there and there's someone out there. Yeah. Um, and there, there is a, a bigger power than ourselves. And as soon as we put our faith in man, it's, you know, you, 
you will get ridiculed yeah. because you you know you're the you're the odd one out. Um, but and that's just part of it. You know, yeah. you've got to wear that. So and if if it's my role to sow that seed and someone else to water it and harvest it, then and so but I do what what my calling is, and you know that's that's what I feel. The Lord has taken me down. It's a beautiful road. ministry and a beautiful yeah. job. But yeah, that um, means you are away from the family quite a bit. Yes, I am. Unfortunately, the distances are, are, are very are very far, and the time we spent, you know, it's been good with COVID. You can spend time with family, but you can't farm with the telephone or no. over Zoom. Or uh, so it's difficult to build relationships when you when you're on a on a telephone, whereas if sure. you're in a tractor or on a header, you know, you're harvesting a crop. <laughs> The last thing you want is a salesman calling you. Exactly right. So, you know, when you're sitting next to him on the header for two or three hours, you've got an opportunity to, to share with him and he can share with you and share whatever is on his heart and what's on his mind. So you go up with them in the, in the tractors and stuff? Yep. I spend as much time on the farm and doing farm work with them because that's where you're going to, you know, that's as the same that's, that's where the rubber meets the road and you talk to a chap loading the a road chest. And the road is the Yeah, well, you know, you're talking to a chap that, that's loading a road train or and they driving a tractor. And they welcome you in their own home as well? You can yes. stay with some of them on yes. the station? I do, yeah. That's they, nice. They, that's just the people of, of farm, that's farmers in general. Yeah. And people of the land in general that have that welcoming. Maybe it's because they don't see too many people. <laughs> and everybody that does come just wants to sell them the latest and the greatest. Or, you know, Still there's an element of trust. Absolutely. Um, you know, they'll put you on a million dollar machine and ask you to, to, to drive it or you know, five or six hundred thousand dollar tractor and ask yeah. you to do three hours work. Um, so there's a lot of trust there and that comes from building that relationship over those years with, with one and keeping that honesty and keeping that integrity yeah. that you have and that you're building that relationship of, of, with those guys and that you're not there to make a sale. No. You're not there to take their money from them. It helps if they do buy from you. Yeah. Um, but that's not the core reason you're going there. You're going to build a relationship and to supply them a service on the side mm -hmm. of, of, of seeds. And, you know. and when you're back in town, looking after the family, ministry, church, men's? Yeah, I mean, um, as you mentioned, uh, we, we have our Friday morning Bible uh, pre-meeting, sorry. Yeah. And uh, so I've been involved with that ever since I've come to, come to Western Australia. Yes. Um, and yeah, get involved wherever we can. We were involved uh, with, the, with some of the young people, so the children there. Now they've grown up and yeah. they've sort of left that, that, that young young people's groups. But um, yeah, involved in the men's ministry where possible. And um, yeah, wherever one can serve and be, be used by the Lord. And that's sort of you know, what my take of it is. is um, and your boys? Uh, two boys, as I mentioned. Hunter is now 21, 20, just 22 in June. And Josh is 19, he'll be turning 20 in May. Um, yeah, both love the Lord and uh, both follow the Lord. Uh, we, we've been really privileged in that uh, Cheryl's dad, Harold, has been able to baptize both of them. Wow. And um, by confession of their own uh, testimony, nothing. Back, back in South Africa. Um, oh, he came here. We were on holiday in South Africa when, when Hunter decided to get baptized when Cheryl's dad was still there. And then when we came to uh, Western Australia, um, Harold came out and with the family and Joshua decided at that stage that he would yeah he, he was already talking baptism yeah I think he was seven, 17, 17 was it in the ocean or in the pool no it was in our pool in our home yeah yeah so it was very and just being able to be baptized by your grandfather was, uh, is an amazing Precious. 
and they've got a tight bond between them and their and their grandfather and their, um, so it was, it's, it's, yeah, the Hunter's moved out of home, he, he lives in Geraldton. Okay, and he manages, with work. Yeah, with work, he's a, a Telstra manager mm -hmm. up in Geraldton, and um, yeah, Lord's looked after him and blessed him, and he, um, yeah, he's, he's a go-getter. Beautiful. Yeah, he's that. Oh, I don't know, but he's, he's probably, I don't know where he gets his from, but, um, <laughs> and Joshua is, um, yeah, he's a, uh, just working at the moment, he's applied for the Navy and been accepted for the Navy, so he'll oh. be going to the Navy shortly. Military. <coughs> yeah, uh, so he, he, he's Makes pretty you proud, doesn't They make me proud no matter what they do, yeah. Daniel. You know, the, the fact that uh, we are blessed that, number one, they follow and serve the Lord. Of course. And that's their, that's their drive in their life. Is yeah. That they've got, and I hope that as a father and as a mother, you know, that. Sharon and I can, can only take them so far and lead them so far and commit them to the Lord. You know, we commit them, we commit their spouses whenever that will be and yeah. whoever the Lord chooses to, to, to put them together with somebody and we commit them into the Lord's hands, you know. And nice. He blessed them, he blessed us with those two boys and uh, we are very honoured to, to be the parents of those two boys. Beautiful. Next, legacy. What are you building? What are you hoping to leave behind? For them and for others, generations um, that follow in the Lord keeps this planet going. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen. I think for, for, for us as parents, the best legacy we can leave is to, is to have your born-again children so that you know you'll take them with you. Yeah. We can't take anything in this world with us. That's right. Um, so that you know, if we're going to leave an inheritance or a legacy, it needs to be one of, of spiritual connotations that we've, we've given them the right foundings and their own foundations yes. so that their lives can then reflect that. Mm. Um, to leave them, you know, material goods or financial goods is, is neither here nor there because we can't take that with it. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that for us is to um, ensure that we've grounded them in, in, in the foundations of, of the word yeah. and we believe we have. Um, so uh, that, that for us is the main thing. Um, and then just continue to serve the Lord where He's put us. You know, mm -hmm. Cheryl, Cheryl's in a, in a school where she feels the Lord has placed her there, and that's the yeah. mission field. She's got a great ministry. She teaches. She teaches, yeah. Beautiful. Um, so she's she's got a wonderful ministry amongst those teachers where she teaches and feels the challenges of the Lord's on her life often. Um, and as do I, you know, my, my life uh, committed to the Lord and where He leads me, yeah. that's where we will follow. And um, if He continues to, to bless and to grow living seeds, then yeah. Well, so first of all, you're a living seed and you want to plant living seeds everywhere. And I think that's the most important aspect, isn't it? I think so. We try and strive to become more yeah. Christ-like, you know, more of Him and less of, of me. So easy. Is, is what we do and He's given us the gifts and the talents and the abilities to be able to, to share with what we know. Mm -hmm. The talents that He's given us. He's given us each different... So all these challenges in life, what, what have they done in you? They've worn me out. <laughs> uh, while they, you probably, we, we, we look at them as, as they will weaken us. Yes. But we know the scriptures say we, we are weak, he is strong. Yeah. And so we, we go through those times where you will question the Lord and you will wrestle with the yeah. Lord and you will ask questions, you know, why did this happen? Mm. Why did that happen? Um, we recently lost my mom to COVID back in South Africa. 
Oh, so it was, you know, we were able to protect her for so long. Yeah. And she needed a, a, an operation, mm. a knee operation, and they wouldn't operate on her until she was, you know, she, she proved that she was negative for COVID. And four days later, she tested positive, so she picked up COVID in the hospital. Oh, uh, while she was waiting for the surgery? Yeah, while she just off, she had the surgery. So she passed away within two weeks of that. So of ch just challenging times, you know, yeah. to, to be sort of, you couldn't even go there. You know, 50 and not having that opportunity to, you know, to, to share. You know, I know that she knew the Lord and she loved the Lord and she's with the Lord. So that's that's the peace that I have. Yes. Um, unfortunately, my, my, you know, my older brother doesn't know the Lord. Mm. Um, the, the, the spirit of alcohol has grabbed hold of his life and yeah. it's, 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 it's made such an impact on his life. Mm. Okay? So we continue to raise him up in front of the Lord and pray. And we know that my mom had a, you know, a ministry to him in that, and he was there to be able to see her go and to, you know, yeah. to, to to run and manage the funeral. So we're hoping and trusting that, you know, through that process, the Lord can work through. Mm -hmm. um, but those are the scenarios that you go through, Nathaniel. Then that's what strengthens you. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you look back and you see those milestones where the Lord has brought you through, mm -hmm. and. Um, you, you look into the valley and you know that you've just come over the top of the hill mm. and that's the strength that you draw from and that's right. when you go through all these difficult times in one's life and by no means am I complaining that we've got difficult lives if you think of people around the world at the moment yes and look, we are blessed where we yeah. are you know we can only be thankful and grateful for mm. Christ's mercy and his grace there are so many that are facing daily challenges that you know we know nothing about that's right and um so, you know, just being grateful for what we have, mm. ensuring that we, you know, we, we keep our eyes on, on Jesus. Harold's got a book, Keeping the Main Thing, the Main Thing. It's about evangelism. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, is yeah. living our lives for Christ. It's um, beautiful. You know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So that's right. What challenges really can they throw at us? Mm. Yes, they come to us on a daily, daily basis, and we try and defend them, and we fight them off, but at the end of the day, you know, it's Christ who fights for us. We've got to just give it to give it to the Lord and say, mm -hmm. you know, we, we focus on those things and keep our eyes on Him. And um, it's not easy, you know, make no mistake. It sounds easy sitting here for a nice, comfortable chair. And, and retrospective, gets it a little bit easier, but when you're in the middle of it, yeah, it's not pleasant. It's definitely not pleasant going through those, like anything with the storm, you know, that, that saying is you, you need to endure the storm to appreciate the rainbows. That's right. And we go through storms in life, and uh, it's uh, it's those storms that, when you look back, is what made us stronger. Right. And through the Spirit, Holy Spirit, just guiding us, leading us, um, giving us that confidence that all things that work for good for Him. Wonderful. You know, Wonderful. So that's thanks that's for sharing sharing this, and obviously your story. Uh, I'm sure our viewers appreciate this immensely. Well, what a life. <laughs> How many challenges and, you know, people do get on top of it because God is always there for them. And as Glenn shared, he's put God to the test a few times and God has shown up every time. And now he's planting living seeds everywhere he goes. He's just dropping bits and bits of Christ in every sphere, helping the farmers out there and also the people that he meets down here. And also with his family, with his wife, um, in her circle of influence, the boys in the shops and uh, soon in the Navy, uh, just planting and sowing seed. It is beautiful. 
I pray that this encourages you to also plant seed wherever God has planted you for, for the time being, and you will see a harvest, a bountiful harvest in the future. It takes time, it's agricultural work, and just rely on God to do, the, to do His part, but be responsible with what you have to do as well. Thank you for watching and being with us on this journey of Kingdom Stories from Down Under, and we hope to see you next time uh, in a week. Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.